As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So we just got back from a dog adoption event, and uh, there were what, maybe 10, 15 dogs? I would say, yeah. There? yeah. yeah. And Cat, uh, God love her, she cried all the way home. <laughs> and it's one of the things that I love slash... Uh, get really annoyed with uh, Stop. you, you. Um, because I know it's going to happen. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I'm not annoyed. I, I think it's actually very, um, it's, it's sweet. You know, you have so much, you have such a big heart and you have so much empathy for things except you. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's fair. All the way home, she's weeping because. Do you think that Banjo and Willie are mad? And and that's that's uh, just your brain torturing I've, you, I sweetheart. I mean, I know that they're not mad. I just I feel like my brain wants me to feel guilty that I I'm not loving on them right now. I see. And that I am yeah. showing affection toward another dog. And my my brain says, uh oh, that means that you're cheating on your dead dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, how do you choose a dog? You yeah, go to an adoption event, and it's like, okay, uh, well, you obviously don't deserve love and yeah. a home. No. You know, pff, obviously they all do. So how do you choose one and, and say that one is better than another? It's just impossible. You can't do it. I think there were, like, maybe 15 dogs there, and Kat narrowed it down to nine. I, I mean, she I wants, did. She wants all yeah. nine. I, <laughs> <laughs> but the the building code says three. <laughs> yeah, so we're in the process of uh, of dwindling it down even further. We'll keep you posted if we find one. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have done this uh, topic because it's about dead animals. No, it's not. Yeah, but but really dead animals. Oh, okay. Um, dinosaurs. Oh, they didn't have anyone to love them. Several leading scientists. This is amazing. Several leading scientists have published a paper which, among other things, says they believe there is a high probability of dinosaur remains on the moon. The how, though? The study of dinosaurs, relatively recent event in the scope of civilization. 
uh, here on Earth. It, it wasn't until 1819 that a British fossil hunter named William Buckland found uh, Megalosaurus. In 1824, Megalosaurus is believed to be the first, was believed to be the first dinosaur ever described scientifically. Well, he couldn't have been much of a fossil hunter if that was the first one he ever found. It's the first time that they were found and uh, investigated scientifically. There were, there's some Chinese writings from about 2,000 years ago. They talk about finding dragon bones. Okay. You know. So, I'm sorry, is the idea that the the dinosaurs lived on Earth before the moon sheer... Okay. We're getting to that. Okay. No one knows for sure when the first dinosaur bone was found, but uh, it wasn't until the 1800s that people started going... Wait a minute, let's look into this a little bit more. Uh, For example, a curator at the English Museum discovered a large thigh bone in England. Ours is better. He (laughs) believed that it belonged to an ancient species of giant humans. Uh, This would have been like in the 1600s. It wasn't until... That's a weird way to go with it. Like there's a giant bone and you're like, well, this must be from a giant person. A really, really tall guy. (laughs) Rather than... 90 feet tall. Elephant or... Yep. Nope. In 1842, the study of dinosaurs started to kick into high gear. That's when two American scientists who were both very wealthy and somewhat competitive put together research teams to explore the Rocky Mountains. They unearthed tons of bones from several different sites. Uh, This was called the Bone Wars, and it resulted in the discovery of (laughs) 136 new species of dinosaurs. I'm sorry, that sounds like a porn. (laughs) (laughs) The Bone Wars? The Bone Wars. Starring Phineas Gage. Oh no, General. What are we going to do next? Well, clearly we have to find a place to put this bone. (coughs) By 1900... The research in dinosaurs was in full swing, at least on Earth. So what's the deal with this claim (laughs) that there are dinosaur bones uh, on the moon? Probably will be found on the moon one day. Uh, If the theory is correct, dinosaurs made it to the moon 65 million years before Neil Armstrong did in 1969. Explain. Okay, in all fairness, their arrival on the moon was involuntary. It, of course, had everything to do with the giant asteroid that slammed into Earth and wiped them out. It hit the Earth with such force, the theory goes, that bones from the dinosaurs, along with fragments of uh, geological debris and anything else, really, Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately sprayed itself all over the surface of the moon. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So... Technically, there's a high probability that there are dinosaur bones on the moon. Not quite as cool as them building spaceships before they were extinct. Sure. But but still pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, There's a book out written by a guy named Peter Brannan. Uh, It's called The End of the World. And uh, he did a great job describing just how big this meteorite was and how quickly the event transpired. Mm -hmm. Because in order to spray dinosaur bones from Earth all over the moon, it had to be an amazing cataclysmic event beyond right. our capability to, of really understanding it. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, how? Um, what? What is it that makes them believe just now that this is the case? Well, he gets into that. Okay. And but I don't know when 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 you picture the asteroid that uh, wiped out the dinosaurs. How big do you picture it in your, in your mind? About the size of Texas. About the size of Texas. That's, that's a pretty good guess. 
Here is what he said. This is from his book, Peter Brannon's book, The End of the World. Quote, the meteorite itself was so massive that it didn't notice any atmosphere whatsoever. It was traveling 20 to 40 kilometers per second and 10 kilometers, probably 14 kilometers wide, pushing the atmosphere in, building such incredible pressure that the ocean in front of it just went away. Oh. These numbers are precise without usefully conveying the scale of the calamity, he says. What this means is that a rock larger than Mount Everest hit the planet Earth, traveling 20 times faster than the speed of a bullet. Wow. This is so fast, it would have traversed the distance from a cruising altitude of a 747 to the ground in 0.3 seconds. Oh no, Lieutenant Longdong, it's headed right toward us. Get over here, let me adjust your controls. The asteroid itself was so large that even at the moment of impact, the top of it still would have been towering more than a mile above the cruising altitude wow. of a 747. In its nearly instantaneous descent, it compressed the air below it so violently that it briefly became several times hotter than the surface of the sun. And I'm sorry, where do they think that this impact happened? Yucatan Peninsula, the Gulf of Mexico. It, many theories say that that is uh, just a, a giant uh, asteroid crater that's filled in with water. So if there was that kind of heat and pressure, wouldn't there be a surplus of diamonds there? One would think, unless they got all sprayed all over the moon. Ooh, diamond moon. The pressure of the atmosphere in front of the asteroid started excavating the crater before it even got there. Oh, that's cool. Then when the atmosphere touched ground zero, it was totally intact. It was so massive that the atmosphere didn't even make a scratch on it. It didn't break up at all. It was Mount Everest hurtling into Earth 20 times faster than a bullet in one chunk. Wow. Unlike the typical Hollywood CGI depictions of asteroid impacts, when an extraterrestrial like charcoal briquette <laughs> gently <laughs> smolders across the sky, uh, in the Yucatan, it would have been a pleasant day one second and then the next second, the world would be over. There was no warning. As the satellite collided with the Earth, in the sky above it, where there should have been air, the rock had punched a hole of outer space vacuum into the atmosphere. Oh, so it was kind of like a path yeah. for things to make their way back out? Yeah, and as the heavens rushed in to close the hole, enormous volumes of earth and debris were expelled and sucked into orbit and beyond. There was like this space vacuum right behind this mountain as it crashed into the into the earth, all within a second or two of impact. All of that stuff went out the space hole in, in about two seconds. Captain, there's a vacuum in my space hole. It's always important to prepare your space hole in advance of any activity. So there's probably little bits of dinosaur bones on the moon. Wow. They didn't stand a chance, little nuggets. Essentially, an asteroid that was that large and that fast on impact would cause debris to achieve escape velocity, uh, which is 11.2 kilometers per second. And that, would cause, and that would cause the debris to leave Earth's atmosphere. Now, it's true that much of it would have fallen back to Earth. Mm -hmm. 
But it's highly likely that many pieces were able to escape the gravitational influence of Earth, jettisoning it into the solar system and quite possibly, in fact, very likely uh, spraying them all over the moon and putting them in collision courses with celestial bodies like Mars, for example. Oh, wow. And I mean, that also means that there could just be space bones floating around. Could be some space bones out there. That makes me very sad. Well, you can use the space bones to fill your space hole. That's where the space bones go. Essentially, I fucking love science says there is a lot of evidence of this happening. Let's not forget that uh, there may have been at least 289 meteorites discovered on Earth that came from Mars. So it's possible that there are dinosaur, uh, dinosaur bones, bones on Mars as well. It's very likely, in fact. Do you fact. think that it's possible that meteorites might contain bones from Mars that were jettisoned from Earth. So the bones made their way from Earth to Mars and then back to Earth. Wow, that would be weird. Um, I don't know about that, but do you remember, I think it was the late 90s, a fragment of Martian meteorite. No, I remember very little of the late 90s. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> a fragment of, of a Martian meteorite was found in the Allen Hills in Antarctica. It was Actually, it was, uh, it was discovered in, in 1984. In the late 90s, a group of si- uh, scientists said that they had discovered fossilized bacteria mm-hmm. in the meteorite. Now, the meteorite... They had claimed and had believed for you know over ten years that it was it was from from Mars. Mm-hmm. So if there was microscopic fossils of bacteria in it, that would suggest that they had originated on Mars. And of course, that gained a lot of press worldwide. Right. Um, Bill Clinton even went as far as giving a speech about the potential discovery. The claims were controversial from the beginning. According to Wikipedia, the wider scientific community ultimately rejected the hypothesis once uh, all the unusual features in the meteorite had been explained or the possibility of them existing without requiring life to be present. Immediately, Bill Clinton called another press conference. I did not see evidence of life in that meteorite. No, let's cut that out because I can't do Bill Clinton. You're one of the few, you know. Because, yeah. 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 So, you know, it's disputed, but it's possible that that's that's what actually took place. And if, in fact, there are meteorites from Mars, which most scientists agree there are, whether or not they have signs of fossilized life in them, that would indicate that there was a big, massive cataclysmic explosion on Mars um, was there one? Did it wipe out life? Well, either way, that collision led to debris being on our planet. It, so it what did. would keep a collision on our planet from depositing debris on other planets? Maybe Mars wasn't as lucky as Earth. You know, uh, it wiped out the dinosaurs, but mammals and various other creatures survived. Um, maybe Mars wasn't as lucky and just there was life there and it was totally wiped out. I mean, that's possible. I love that idea. You know what I love the idea of, and I am jettisoning away. Jettisoning? Mm-hmm. Jettisoning. That's a weird word. I am um, moving away from what you're talking about quite rapidly. Uh, <laughs> please follow along. Right through the space hole. William Shatner went to space. Yes, he did. Can we talk about how cute that man is? I swear he is a national treasure. I was going to do a dinosaur in space joke, but I know you'd punch me in the face. 
And besides, we love William Shatner. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. He the said show my has, name. has examined weird things. Yeah, he said your name. Um, yeah, so he went to space, and if you didn't see the video of him after he returned, and, you know, wh- whether you agree with millionaires spending their money on space, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. What matters is that William Shatner is adorable, mm-hmm. and when he returned from space, he was having a friggin' existential crisis. Yeah, he was. And it was the sweetest thing I've ever seen. The planet is so fragile. Only he said it like, the planet is so fragile okay he doesn't talk like that all right whatever but he is so precious and if you haven't seen it i mean you don't have to watch it i'm not saying like go watch it but i would suggest watching it because he's just the cutest thing and he's 90 he's now officially the oldest man ever yeah to uh, be in space and the cutest man ever and now that thing in the middle ah parenthood one of the most rewarding experiences a person can have. Except for a guy in China, he filed for divorce in 2012 after his wife gave birth to what he considered to be, quote, an ugly child. He later sued his ex for misrepresenting her contribution to the gene pool when he found out that she had had expensive plastic surgery. A judge ruled in the man's favor and awarded him $120,000 in damages. Did you know if your dog eats half a box of milk chocolates, you can get it to throw up by giving it a tablespoon of hydrogen peroxide? Want to see photos of what happens? This is The Box of Oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids. And they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child. And she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer this message is sponsored by green light you know as your kids get older there are some things about parenting that gets easier i remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece if you put your pants on i'll give you some fresca and when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right it's a lot easier to manage them Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. 
Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for the Box of Oddities is provided in part by listeners like you on Patreon. You can support us too. Go to patreon.com slash box of oddities. Thank you. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. So in the last episode, I retired the What You Got For Me jingle. Um, it, what a polarizing event that's become. Uh, there, I mean, literally, there have been polls made. Yes, there are polls on uh, the Freaks group. It and, seems like the general consensus is that I need a theme. Like, yeah, well, like, you do. I, I think that the more themes that you all make, uh, the better, because then we can share your magical art and also maybe find a new standard in, in the What You Got For Me song. Yeah. Series. Send us your submissions to theboxofoddities.com. But so many people are like, yeah, finally, you're not going to play that anymore. And then uh, there are an equal amount of people going, oh, we're so sad and we're never going to listen again. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to I'm going to compromise today a little bit. OK. OK, you ready? Yeah. What? That's all you're going to get. <laughs> what you got for me? In the early 1900s. A German dermatologist named Alfred Blaschko reported that his patients seemed to show a very similar pattern. When the patients would have rashes or moles, when I say they they followed a similar pattern, I mean it literally. It seemed like their rashes and moles would follow this certain formation. Hmm. Um, And it seemed to kind of be across the board. So it didn't matter if the skin disorder or skin disease was something that they were born with or if it was something that they acquired along the way. It didn't matter if they were young or if they were old. And it didn't matter, you know, what race they were. They were pretty consistent along these same patterns. 
but the the lines didn't follow nerves or blood vessels uh, or any known body system that he was aware of. So he started charting these patterns. And you mean uh, like drawing lines and creating epidermis constellations? <laughs> kind of like that. Um, not on the people, but on uh, pieces of paper that oh, he had drawn oh. their bodies on, and then okay. you, know, you know, like a medical chart. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he called them because he's a doctor, and this is how they do uh, Blaschko lines. And Blaschko lines follow the same pattern on all people. They run down the arms and legs. They curve around the sides like tiger stripes. On the chest and upper back, they rise up in a swirl before dipping down to meet in a deep V along the spine and in the middle of the chest. They also run along the face, above and below the eyes, and over the ears. And they were con- they're consistent in, in that pattern from patient to patient. Yeah, well, not just patient to patient, person to person. That's crazy. You have... One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, we're back. That was weird. It was so weird. We're right in the middle of recording, and the computer shut down. And then when we went back to find where it shut down, the point, you just heard it. We left it in there so you could hear it. I, I no idea what that was. Um, but it, I don't know. It's not anything that we had said. It's nothing that we had said. In fact, it sounds like it could be me, probably is me, but you were talking at the time mm-hmm. and we weren't saying anything that, I don't know where that came from. It's very weird. Um, I, I did go ahead and uh, I sped it up a little bit to see if I could figure out what it said and uh, take a listen. It sounds like 250 a night. It does sound like that. Where did that come from? I don't know. It sounds like it's me, but I didn't say that. It sure does. Um, also, I went ahead and I did some processing on it to see if I could find anything that made sense. Maybe it was backwards or maybe mm, it had, mm. you know, but who, you know. Yeah. Um, so this is what I got. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now it all makes sense. Anyway, you were saying? Um, I don't know. What was I saying? Okay. Uh, so we all have stripes. We all have we stripes. We all have stripes. And apparently a ghost in our machine. <laughs> So those people who sometimes you can see the stripes on are those with pigmentary disorders, genetic skin disorders, acquired inflammatory skin rashes, like sometimes lupus. It's never lupus. And chimerism. Now, a chimera is essentially a single organism that's made up of cells of two or more individuals, and that is that it contains two sets of DNA. Um, And one way that chimeras can happen naturally is that a human fetus can absorb its twin. Sure. So each one of us, as, as we know, starts out as a single glob. And then as the cells divide, they differentiated. So some of those cells will become muscles. Some of those cells will become organs. Some of them will become bones. And some of those cells will become skin. And as those skin cells continue dividing, they expand and stretch to cover a quickly growing body. And it was so well described by Mental Floss, I'm not going to mess with it. 
The article said, one cell line pushed and swirled through another, like steamed milk being poured into an espresso to make a latte. Like, you know how they do those designs? Yeah. In the, it's kind of like that. No, it's, no, I want a latte. <laughs> I'll go get you one. So you can see how as the cell expands and grows, it's just pushing those lines further and further out. And that's why we all have the same pattern, because our bodies all grow in the same pattern. Wow. wow. That's fascinating i was able to find a few photos of people whose lines you can see and it's absolutely and i mean if you're going to have a skin disorder why not have one that makes you incredibly gorgeous <laughs> right <laughs> sure. just yeah. with the neatest most beautiful pattern it's kind of like a built-in tattoo right uh, but whether or not you can see your own human stripes depends on a lot of things um you can maybe uh, be able to see human stripes in your natural skin pigmentation depending on the kind of light that you're in. And a UV light can work. Oh, I was going to ask you that. If it kind of glows in the dark, maybe. Yeah. So now not all UV lights or black lights are sufficiently energetic to make the lines visible. But if you have a sturdy enough UV light, um, you can shine it on your skin and you'll be able to see your stripes. The suggestion is to get into a dark room and look into a mirror and then shine the black light over your exposed skin and view it in the mirror and you can see your stripes. We need to get a black light, sweetie. <laughs> Stat. Yes, I 100% agree because that's the coolest thing. And um, I messaged my sister about it and I was like, hey, uh, have you heard of this? Because she's, she, she's pretty much a doctor. She wears scarves all the time. <laughs> and... Um, um, she, she was like, you know, I think leopard spots would be cooler, but I, I, I don't know. I, I like stripes, but leopard spots would be cool, too. I suppose that's essentially freckles. Now I'm just having a conversation with myself. Um, anyway, if you want to learn more, I got all of my information from Gizmodo, uh, Wikipedia, of course, Scientific American, and Mental Floss. So can, can scientists, in theory, turn these stripes on and off through genetic manipulation? Oh, well, that's an interesting question. Because that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, I just, on my arm, I just want my, my arm stripes to show. Can you turn <laughs> that on for me? Cool. Show me my stripes, Dr. Spacehole. Wait, I'm mixing up my porns. <laughs> well, it's easy to do. Um, <laughs> listen, guys, we're two weeks out from our live show in New York City, and I hope that you can join us either live in person, still some tickets available, um, or virtually online. And uh, the online show is only 10 bucks. Get all the details and get your tickets by going to theboxofoddities.com. Also wanted to thank uh, our most recent patrons who have joined the Order of Freaks. Travis and Isabel. And if you would like to join the Order of Freaks and support the Box of Oddities, again, same place, theboxofoddities.com. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, 
The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. I think it would be better if I spoke like this. And that way, there wouldn't be so much of an echo. (laughs) Nor would there be as much reason for me to hide beneath a piece of cardboard. At the very least, it's a quality piece of cardboard befitting a woman of your stature. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Hello everyone, Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.